I'm in the studio with Jay Haleen. 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 You are now in the studio with Jay Haleen. What's up, y'all? It's your boy Jay Halim, and you are back for another episode of Star of Talk. Listen, it's a family affair. <laughs> I got my fam on here right now, you know. Um, not just Newark, New Jersey fam, but real fam. I'm super proud of this brother because, you know, a lot of times we get a bad rap coming from where we come from, and, and they're not showing the things that we're doing that's so positive in the community. Um, growing up the way we grew up, you know, we got a lot of bad to talk about. But it's a whole lot of good as well. And so once I connected with him and seen that some of the things he was doing, like I have to have him in front of my people and talk about what's going on with, on Starve Talk. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to Warif Juma. This is, again, my family, but more importantly, a powerful brother that's knocking it out the park in my hometown, North New Jersey. So thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to talk to you today, bro. I appreciate you for the opportunity to be here, brother. Definitely family, man. Like I said, you know, I love what you guys are doing. And just any, any creative that's um step out their comfort zone and, you know, and take a chance on creating something that they may not even have an idea of how it's going to impact people. <laughs> but just, you know, uh, you know, stepping out on, um, stepping out on faith and just going out there and just taking a chance, you know, I, um, you know, I credit anybody and just give big ups to everybody that's doing so most definitely man and um we definitely appreciate it you know you got a you got an interesting scenario going on up there but we're going to start with you you know you coming out of Newark, new jersey you know what was your what were you passionate about in high school growing up honestly growing up i was into all of the tv shows and cartoons and all that so honestly i used to look at those as like career opportunities because you know, back then they used to say, whatever you put your mind to, you could become. So yeah. I used to, you know, be watching Power Rangers and all that. And like, yeah, I'd honestly be like a Power Ranger or a Ninja Turtle or somebody that did karate <laughs> or something like in that field. So like, that, that was like a, a happy time for me to believe that I could possibly do anything. And, you know, nothing was out of my reach. And yeah. everything. And I think, um, you know, and that was around the time of like elementary school and just being in like those those freedom times, I guess it wasn't like no worries at that age. And um, you know, I guess, I guess as things progressed and I transitioned to high school. I kind of got a a reality check of things. Of, of again, you know, where we come from, we in like the the raw feel, <laughs> the raw feel of everything. You better tell them. <laughs> yeah, we in the raw feel field of everything. And this is you know, and I grew up, we grew up in the, in the South Ward. Yeah. Uh, uh, of North New Jersey and everything. So, you know, it's, it's you know, it's drugs, violence, you know, um, it's just everything that you could possibly think of. And, you know, and I, and I think once I got to high school, that's when I kind of got like a reality check of like, you know, there's, there's so many things that's, that's cornering us out here. There's a possibility that you may not progress the way you think you should progress. Yeah. There's like so many things are stacked against you. And I just think, um, yeah, I, I think, what helped me, what aided me in overcoming that was uh, uh, was my family. Yeah. You know, because my, my mom and dad were like two people who conveyed the idea of success, you know, and not even just based off what they went through, but just based off the, the, the knowledge of being able to, to grow 
Yeah. That's the, the main possibility. And again, you know, within our family, we had some true fighters. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> for sure. Like, we had some true fighters. And, like, one of the people that's always a go-to I think of is, is been my grandmother. Kept yeah. For it because mm-hmm. I, I remember staying down at her house plenty of times. My mother and them are at work and my father's out of town and things of that sort. And she's there, like, helping God us, like, you know, and seeing how hard she probably had it in her life. And at that time, but yeah. still able to comfort us with something to show us that it's possibly broke out there. So yeah, that's what, that's what kind of, kind of got me through like those difficult times of thinking about yourself. Like you've grown at one of the worst places in literally one, one of the worst cities in the world possibly. Yeah. It, it really know, was like, yeah, at yeah, one point in the nineties, it was number one. It was the worst. At one point in the nineties, Newark was the 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 worst city to live in in the country, and still today, actually, is a, a thing out where they call it the dirtiest city. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, it's I, tough. I actually, seen that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's tough, and you know, people need to understand that. And I thought Newark was so big growing up. You know what I'm saying? Like even coming to South Carolina, I thought it was so much bigger than what it is and not really realizing it's a small town. It really is a small town. Like in size, it's a small town. There's a lot of people in a small town. Like the town I went to college in, it's like three times the size of Newark, but it got three times less people in it. So just having the fact of the breathing room, you know what I'm saying, that you have where having big, a whole lot more space, but then a whole lot less people in it, where we're in the small place and all of us stuck together. Whether you living in a projects or you living in a three bedroom, uh, you know, I mean, three um, fan story house or something like that. You just all on top of each other, and the psychological scenarios. Because even if you got a crackhead upstairs from you, and that's not even in your house, you still can be affected by that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, and things of that nature. And which is so crazy because it's like, but growing up, I felt like that was the norm, though. Yeah, yeah, it was like, for sure. Norm, <laughs> we were seeing it every single day. And still being able to kind of maneuver as far as like going outside with your friends and things like that. It was just, that was the norm. So that wasn't even a bother. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you know, but I, I guess you don't really, you don't truly realize it till y'all till you leave. Like, <laughs> you hear like an uh, adult, like when you become an adult, that's when you like really sensing it and really flashback like, yo, you <laughs> really running outside on these corners with these dudes are selling drugs and all that stuff. Possible shootout. Yeah. could happen, but we outside running around like on the corner bouncing ball, bouncing basketballs and stuff like that, not realizing what could possibly take place. Yeah. So you, you got out of high school and you went to college. What was that like? What was the transition like when you had to go away for a while? I mean, it was kind of crazy, honestly. You know what? I'm not going to say it was kind of crazy because honestly, um, when I got accepted to college, I was like, man, because I got accepted to one college that was Morgan State University. Mm-hmm. And that was just based off how I performed in school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, and I, and I wasn't I wasn't the best scholar in school. It was, it was other things that I was, you know, as, as a team. Yeah, was, yeah. You know, on being with your friends, dressing cool, girls, all this stuff. Like, you know, hanging out. So that wasn't my clear focus of uh, making sure that I was setting myself up for the transition. Yeah, you know, it was just by the grace. It was just by the grace of God and um, uh, a teacher at the time that like was really trying to push me to get into college and apply and do all those things. And I think the, the transition was it was 
it was a smooth transition because honestly, um, I was looking forward to going away. My brother at the time, my brother was already at Morgan State. Okay. So that, got, that, that made it a little bit easier as well as my cousin also, being that they were already there. They were always bringing me down there for like spring break. Yeah. You know, so, so I was already like going to, on the campus, familiarizing myself with the, with the area. The honorary student already, right? <laughs> yeah, like, I, even when I went down there, I used to take a book bag with me. Like, the, like the, the, the trying to blend in. Yeah, that's style. A North Face book bag. <laughs> North Face book bag, exactly. And this was around the time of Omavi jeans. Yeah, wow, that's a throwback. <laughs> and Baltimore, Maryland, Baltimore, D.C., they not even up on Omavi. None of that. So I was already, I was already like, you know, like, all right, who is this baggy, baggy jeans, swamps? Yeah, North, North Face jacket, because they they go crazy over North Face jackets in the DMV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was it was a smooth transition. It was um it was an amazing transition of actually getting down there, of just being able to see like a new a new environment. Yeah, you know, even though it was kind of it was uh, similarities of the things that we experienced here, but I think um, the drugs, yeah, like, and was like because you know they had like the highest rate of it. Yeah, definitely. In Philly, and it was just a that was a raw area of just being down there and seeing like I know people that that watched the wire. Yeah, Mar- Morgan State on the west side. Yeah, Morgan State on the west side. <laughs> <laughs> People that's watching the wire. That's the real. It's like, right nah, in the hood like, too. Like, this ain't real, but nah, like we're traveling. Yeah, yeah Morgan State is in the hood. Morgan State is right there. And right. a lot of HBCUs are though. It's so crazy. If you ever went up and down the East Coast, I don't know. I haven't really been to the ones in Texas and and like Louisiana. But if you go up and down the East Coast, every HBCU is in the hood. Everyone, uh, except for Bowie. Except for Bowie. Yeah, except yeah, except for Bowie. Except for Bowie. But it's so crazy that you said that because I was out in DC uh, last weekend. I just happened to stop by Howard. Yes, in the hood. I'm like Georgia I'm Avenue. <laughs> Georgia Avenue. You in the hood. Georgia. <laughs> I'm like, yo, really? I'm like, this is really like a standout. And I think as much as and we always highlight HBCUs because of the black community. Yeah. Like, that's 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 a major thing for us in the black community because that that shows us the possibility of growth and achievement that we can have yeah. something in an area that that's comforting to us. Yeah, especially when we're not getting accepted possibly to like Ivy League schools, or you know, some people aren't just getting accepted to college but have a possibility to go to college due to HBCUs. Yeah, yeah, you know? that's me. I, I was able to go to HBCU. Because they was accepting, they had a you know open door policy. If you graduated and you were a black kid, you can get a chance to go to that school. Because I was not college material, I wasn't ready for that. And um, you know, you see these schools; they was built in eighteen hundreds, and they built the projects around the schools. And what people the people don't know that like projects came around the fifties and sixties. Those schools been there already, but they're like, where are we gonna put them at? Put them around those schools because I don't. If you ever been to Norfolk State, oh my God, like it's just it is like a war zone around that school. You know what I'm saying? So it's just one of those things. And I know my school in South Carolina was surrounded by three three projects, literally three projects. So it's it's it's, it's a really, tough situation. I really learned about the HBCUs because my brother, um, 
one of my brothers that graduated from Morgan in 96, um, before that, he actually went to Shaw University. Yeah, North Carolina. You know, so, so, yeah, so I was learning about it. Then my other brother, um, he wound up going to Lincoln University. Yeah, PA. So that's how, <laughs> that, like, that's how I started like really learning about it. And once I got to high school and like was really doing research on it, because like, you know, my, my mom said it, so I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, I can pass it. I can go to, I can go to hard. And then my mother like attended Montclair State King. Yeah. You know, and all yeah. those things. So it's like, you know, I got all this this familiarity of these colleges around me because my family are 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 going there. I love what you and said. That's when I started doing my research, like, yo, like, so okay, so this is an ABC. This is Ivy League. Okay, you know, okay. That's how I really started to learn about that. That's a beautiful thing that you said because we in the same city, same ward. But you got a chance to see a lot of college, a lot of higher education around you. Talk about how that, you know, helped you not fall victim to a lot of the situations that was very easy for us to fall victim to growing up in North. I think it was um, honestly mainly my father because my father, uh, he didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. You know, my father, uh, he got his GED. And he he was always telling me that nobody on that on his side of the family, of course, you know, my grandmother, his mother, Carrie Brussworth, mm-hmm. he was saying that a lot of his family didn't go to college. He's you absolutely know, the right. Highest, the high, yeah, the highest degree of education was GED. Yeah. Plus, a lot of them were from the South too. Yep. And on us, on my mother, on my mother, like she was the first one, like to really set that example. Yeah. You know, for us to leave, to, to, to follow in those footsteps. And, you know, my, and I'm going to say my father again, because even without a, a college education, he still conveyed the importance of education. Yeah. You know, and, you know, his his education was learning, was learning the world, learning the environment, learning yeah. society. For him to kind of um, get acclimated to um, what was going on around him at the time in order to, you know, survive. Yeah. You know, and for him... For him to not have that that formal education, that formal learning, and to say he was a very intelligent brother. Oh my God, he was a very intelligent brother. And for him to convey to us and say, oh, no, no, go to college. You know, I stood on enough corners for all of you. Wow. You know, go to college. This is important. Look, your mother, your mother is setting the, the standard for what it is, and I think and that that really set the path for like each of us. Like at the time, I'm like. If I don't go to college, I don't know what else I'm gonna do. And I guess that's a lot of people now. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of students now. Or just a lot of people. And it's just, you know, if I if I didn't get that acceptance letter to that, like I don't know what of course I had got accepted to like Essex County. Yeah. And stuff like that. And you know, my mother my mother is a graduate of Essex County. Yeah. You know, she's a graduate of Essex County and made her way to King, Montclair, and um got her doctorate from University of Phoenix. Yeah. You know, so, you know, like I said, like, you know, if it wasn't for him conveying that and just showing that the important emphasizing, like, listen, this is this is achievable. You can do this. Like, you know, your mother is the prime example. She came from a difficult time and made it to here. You know, and I think just for me at that time, that was that was a big part. That was a big change in my life, like a major change. And if I think if that didn't happen, honestly, I don't know how far I probably would have went. In life, because of, and I think that's anybody that just reflects on a moment of time, yeah, you know, and just say, you know what, dang, if I didn't go to Morgan, I possibly wouldn't have met 
a number of people that I've met, you know, and traveled as far as I did and, you know, and got those experiences and just look forward to, you know, going to colleges and going into uh, homecomings and trying to get people to not even just go to college, but just be the best version of themselves. So yeah. That, that was a, like, yeah, between his words and my mother's actions, that that was the, the formula that got me into that, that mode of like, you know what? That is a great decision for you. That's dope, man. That's dope. His words and her actions, that's everything. That's a bar right there because that's what partnership looks like. You know, everybody don't have to do the exact same thing, but if everybody's playing their part, you can see what comes from that. And you judge a tree by the fruit it bears. So you're talking about multiple siblings that went to college, you know, and you following in the footsteps, but from the parents and the parents are, you know, they the ones that put the, put that thing together. And now you see that you can see, you know, judge a tree by the fruit it bears. You birthing multiple college graduates, it's multiple successes and things of that nature. But it was because they played their position. You know what I'm saying? You got so many nowadays wives trying to be husbands and husbands doing wife things and blah, 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 blah. And what I love about their story is that, what he was is what he was. You know what I mean? She saw him for what it was, and he played his position to the letter. And he empowered her even within his kids' eyes. Like, yo, pay attention to what your mom doing. He could have easily been like, because I, I, I literally was talking to a brother recently, and he got, he's like, man, my, um, he's like, um, my, my baby mother be telling my kids, like, you should be better than your father. And he took offense to it. And it's like, watch well, me better than me. I, I, you know, he, he is not, you know, he's not unsuccessful, but he had a hard way. And so mm-hmm. he didn't get it that like, I want my kids to be better than me. He's like, nah, they don't need to be better than me. They just need to be, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm good. They can be like me. I'm like, nah, you missing the point. And so your parents had it. Mm-hmm. They understood like, y'all don't have to go through all of these hoops and bounds that we went through. You know what I'm saying? We went through those hoops and bounds so you don't have to. Like he said, I still don't enough corners for all y'all. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be three and four and five generations having to stand on the same corner. Because if you yeah. think about the Kennedys, the daddy Kennedy was a bootlegger. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, but And he had mob ties. You know what I mean? So now the Kennedy family is still going to the point where you got multiple generations. I literally just did business with Mark Shriver. What people don't know is that's one of the sister Kennedy. That's just John F. Kennedy's nephew. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, so, like, he's still knocking it out the park. He has a, a bunch of business scenarios going. And a couple years ago, I got the opportunity to do work with him. Look just like them jokers, man. Like, that's just, that's John F. Kennedy's nephew. So, they ain't never, never, ever have to worry about coming up from the bottom. They ain't never had to worry about being bootleggers because their grandfather and great-grandfather was a bootlegger. You know what I'm saying? Like, it is what it is. What you had to do to survive, you had to do to survive. But it's not, your, your survival should not have to be the next generation survival and the generation and I, after and I, that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. That's just like for anybody of just, of how you deem yourself to be successful. And I just think that's, that's like always one of the, the toughest like conversations to have with people because it's like, you know, a lot of people are setting bars for themselves at certain ages. And that and honestly, that's how I was I was learning in the classroom when we used to have people come and talk to us like, you know, what you want to be. And at the time I'm like, you know, I want to be, I want to be a doctor. 
and by 21, I have I want to have kids, I want to be married, <laughs> and all this stuff, whatever. And like, you know, now of getting to those ages and just seeing like what you have to go through and what you have to experience to get to those things. And a lot of times it's not a delay on it, but it's still a certain, a certain a certain um, time frame yeah. that's needed to achieve certain things. Because, like, you know, when you say you're going to college, like, you know, I want to graduate college by 22. You got, honestly, a lot of people are graduating like five years. Yeah, five or five, six year plan. <laughs> so, you know, not a lot of people are getting out of college at 23, 24, 25, you know, and, and it's just, just, just life motions that come into play that kind of, you know, that, that sets you on a, on a different path of, um, I wanted to say, you know, and it's just, you know, and just, and just think about those things and just think about people, how they set those bars and they don't achieve certain things by a certain time. They deem themselves as unsuccessful. You can't yeah. Do it because not everything comes at the time that you're, that you're trying to, um, that you're selecting. Yeah. You know, so you're absolutely like, right. you can't, you can't, like, yeah, you can't say you can't get, <clears throat> you can't say you can get a doctor at 20. <laughs> no one, <laughs> Like the phase of the school that you got to go through of getting your bachelor's and masters and then getting to that next well, that school, that's that's a product of school, though, because school is truly the only thing in life that you can set a clock to. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you go to school and you know that if you do everything you're supposed to do at this age, you'll graduate high school. If you do everything you're supposed to do, you can graduate in four years on, on time in college, right? So you know that. Once you get out of there and go to the job, you can't automatically say that you're going to get a raise every year. You're going to get this. Like nothing else is concrete like that. And they don't even know even after your first year, like an undergrad college, it's not the same. You know what I mean? Like if you really do your work, you can't because it's a system. Like there's a lot of good students. They might not be great people in the world because they don't really understand that algorithm, I'll call it. But they learn the school algorithm and they can haul ass through school with no problem. Like... I, I'm good. I, I I got the system down. And yes, you can get out at 22, 23. But after that, it changes. You might get out making 60,000. You can't just say in two years I'm going to make 100,000 um, at this job because that it don't work that way. And I think people be stuck in the school terms of things and not really the reality because not only the time frame, but there's a level of maturity you got to hit too to be able to do certain things. Like you're not mature enough to handle Something that you really, really praying for, you know what I mean? Something that you really, really want. Like you're not, you want to be a doctor at 25. Are you ha- able to handle the insurance that comes with being a doctor and, and and being caring for people's lives? You might not be prepared for that, so you might need to take that extra five years and see how another joke can handle it when they lose somebody on the table and or when they got an insurance claim from a family or some other stuff or lawsuits. It's a lot that go through it, and a lot of us are not. Informed We're just informed Of the fairy tale You know what I mean yeah. It's always yeah. the You know It's always the destination That you They're telling you The destination You ain't to, We're not being Educated on I was like Okay You're going to New York First of all You're not being Paying attention To where you are You know Like okay I'm in San Francisco So cause Where you are Is more important Than where you want to be Because that's going to Dictate how you the, 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 How you're going to Get there Whether it's going to be plane, train, bus, whatever. So if you in San Francisco, once you figure that part out, then you can say, okay, I'm going to New York. Well, if you got $2, you might not be going to New York no time soon. Mm -hmm. If you got $200,000, that's something different. So we have to start 
talking about that, like, okay, understand where you are right now. Yes, I come from North. I have a family that don't have any money to send me to college. I have this, I have that. So I have to actually have straight A's or this if I want to get a scholarship. Or I have to kick ass in basketball or football or do whatever I need to do. Or I need to do a, com- a combination. I need to do real good in school. Maybe not straight A's, but A's and B's. And then knock it out the park in basketball or baseball or whatever it is I do or whatever my elective is. And then... I can combine with that and maybe if I get a, a job, I can get a partial scholarship and then I can pay some of this stuff. And you know what I mean? Like, like really we have to start with where we are because it's going to tell you what you need to do to get to where you want to go to. And that conversation usually doesn't happen. It's, cra- it's crazy that you said that too. I was actually, um, cause I work, uh, I work with a few seniors. Um, and one of my seniors in particular, he, um, for a lot of, for some reason, I don't know why this why wow, these seniors the one like that instant gratification. Yes. Like, I, I wanna I wanna graduate now. I'm tired of this. I wanna get out of here. I wanna get out of there and make money. But they don't have a set plan in place. And one senior in particular, he was telling he was like, yo, you know, like, you know, I don't I don't wanna go through like those those life trials where I get laid off on a job and things like that or whatever. Like, you know, I wanna get out there and just and just make this money. And I'm like, um, I'm like, bro, I'm like, um, um, your failures is what's going to create the success story. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm like, you can't, you can't pick and choose what you're going to experience. You know, like you gotta, you, you just gotta go out there and take the ride. And I'm like, you don't, don't rush anything. I'm like, every anything that's. My father always told me, and I always use this, this exact quote when I go speak somewhere. He said, you know, what you're seeking is seeking you. Mm. You know, mm. and within that search, you got to put out a set time frame in order to fulfill that search and that goal you're trying to reach. Yeah, you know, so you know, and within that, within that journey and that search, it's going to be difficulties. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Everything comes with the difficulty. Like, it's like living in the world. You can't have, as much as I hate it, you can't have positivity without negativity. Yeah, you know the the kind of because they kind of reinforce one another. Yeah. You know, it's like love, hate, like, you know, like they mirror each other. Like they, like, they, like, you can't live, you can't live in this life without two things that mirror each other. Yeah. You know, it's important. Exactly. So you can't have success without your failures. It's balanced. And it's all about how you look at it. You want to acknowledge your failures at the same time. Is it really a failure in certain instances? Sometimes we look at overlooking that stuff. Once we say to the universe, we want something. And we start walking in that path. What you really feeling is the universe going into alignment for you. And that's what usually happens. So you think about when somebody starts to grow a garden, you know, your things start to happen and you don't know what's happening underneath that ground. Your job is to do your part, you know, get the ground prepared, do what you need to do, put the seeds in there, water it at your scheduled time, protect, protect it from, you know, whatever vermin that's around that can come and get it. And let what happened underneath happen. And that's the hurtful time because you don't have a clue. Yeah. And you want to know the funny part? Five years of having a garden, you still don't know what's going on underground. But because you saw last year came and the year before that came, the year after that came, the year after that came, you, you got faith now. Like, you know what? I just do this and here it comes. Because you, you've you seen it happen. You've seen the, the fruits of that labor come back. Maybe it was two this year. The next time it was 22. But you see something happen. And so you like, all right, I'm cool. Let me go ahead. But we all got to see those wins, but we got to experience and acknowledge that, yo, it bothers us to not have control 
and you don't. Yeah. You can't control. We couldn't control COVID nineteen. You know, you know, it's thought of that some people did, but the majority, the masses, couldn't control it, and it was what it was, and things happened, and you had to adjust. But that it created opportunities that made millionaires and billionaires out of it. So, you know, somebody's walking in the rain. I always say people is raining on the same street. Somebody's smiling. Somebody's pissed off. It's the same water. Both of them get hit the same way. But somebody's dealing with it one way. Somebody dealing with it the other way. So it's, it's crazy. And so we talk about this because you we talk about growing up in the same place. And you went to college, went to another place that have drug infested scenario. You know what I'm saying? How did you overcome, you know, sidestep that with everything that comes with that to start going on your path to, to, to you know, being an entrepreneur and, and going into your career? Cause I think honestly, I didn't, I didn't have anything else. Like I seen like, I, I had a group of friends at, at school and, and things like that or whatever. And everybody was so excited about freedom of uh, being on their own and being away from home, not realizing the, the responsibility and the power that came with it. And uh, more so the responsibility of making, of assuring yourself that you're handling your business. Word. That's that was the biggest part that came with it because if you weren't, that power and responsibility was going to be taken away. Yeah. The parent is providing the the financial aspect of making sure that you're there and everything. Good. Like you said, when doing something, you got one job. <laughs> <laughs> you got one job, and at that time, like you know, especially if you didn't have like at that time of, of being 18, 19, you didn't have any kids, you didn't have any bills, you had one job. So for me, I didn't I didn't want to lose that because I look I was looking forward to being on my own and trying to you know establish myself. So I didn't want to lose that, and that was a great feeling to me. Yeah. And a lot of my friends got on um, academic probation. A lot of them left. <laughs> and all those Remember that? Like, and I I didn't want that to be me. Like I didn't like yeah I had already set I had already. Did things in high school that I wasn't proud of, like academically. Yeah. So I didn't want that that uh, a repeated story or continued story, especially of becoming an adult. So it was like, you know, and I think the transition, what started Passionate Rebel was that um, before I was able to actually graduate from college, I had to um, pass, um, I was in the education field. I had yeah. to pass the praxis, the praxis exam to be a certified teacher. Yeah. And I didn't pass it. So they were actually holding my degree for like a good minute. Wow. Like I had finished everything else. I finished everything else. My courses, everything. Like 3.9 GPA. Like, like knocking it out the park. Yeah. And all that stuff. And they wouldn't let me graduate for that. So now that was, um, I finished, I was in 2011. But moving forward, they still had my degree three years later. This is 2014. Now. They still had it because I wasn't a certified teacher. And in Maryland, you got to be a certified teacher. Yeah. So basically, it's like their education program is catered and centered around Maryland. Yeah. So that's what they're produ- that's what they're producing. Like yeah. The teachers to teach in Maryland. So I wound up going back to New Jersey after I finished. And I was still pushing to get the certification, but I wasn't passing the test. Yeah, and I, I became so frustrated with it, and I, you know, and I started engaging in like conversation with just like my peers that you know, because I, I started working for the city of Newark. Mm-hmm. So I'm hearing like so many people saying like, man, I'm like, yeah, I'm, 
I'm passionate about this, but I can't, I don't want to do this because I ain't got this. I'm not funding, I don't got this. I want I want to do this. Just several conversations. And I just started, I'm like, damn, I'm like, oh, like, you know, I'm telling people like you should just follow your passion. I'm like, damn, like this may be like something positive that I'm saying. Like, you know, and it like it, you know, some things is like are are innate, like just in you. Yep. You know, and it was like, you know, and I was offering like all these positive affirmations and positive influence, and it, it kind of like, like, you know, you start a, a brand, like where you encourage people to to rebel against the idea of not following your passion. You know, I'm just in. This is I, I converse with myself a lot of times. Yeah, like, yeah. You, know, you have conversations with yourself. It's like you know you can see on the on both sides of the fence. Yeah, and I'm like you know you know this, this does sound good. I was like honestly, it sounded genuine. You know, just trying to help people and just encourage people. And I was like, you know, what's the best fashion? What's what's the best fashion to go about it? And that's what stuck out to me when I said, "What was the best fashion?" I'm like, hold up. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, hold on. I think I can connect you with fashion, with doing, you know, shirts and stuff like that. And I had pitched it to my man one day. He was a, a, a rapper. Like, he rapped, but he's actually a firefighter now. Mm-hmm. Ill rapper, too. And he was listening. He was like, yo, you know, that actually sounds like, that's good that you want to encourage people. And that's what generated the flow of it. I'm like, you know, and I started, you know, Passion Rebel. I, I started the Passion Rebel. Passion. I just started, like, Days that was oncoming days, I just kept um, murmuring it to myself. Like, okay, all right, boom, all right, here we go. And my barber, um, he wound up telling me how he opened his his business account and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, Thanks. So that's what I wound up doing. I'm like, you like, you know, just go up there, tell them that I sent you, blah, blah, blah. They're going to research the name, make sure that nobody got it, all this stuff, whatever. So that's what I did. I went to uh, Santander Bank. And he like the dude researcher, like, yes, yeah, so you know, as an LLC, blah blah blah. So he wound up establishing it. And then as I um I was like, but you know, I gotta, I gotta, I was taught to inspire the, the youth, the community. So I gotta incorporate, I can't do fashion without trying to genuinely and in, um inspire people. Yeah, like, I just don't want to make people look cool. I just don't want to do the hat <laughs> and the, the hoodies. And like, yo, nah, you look like, nah, it gotta be, it gotta be a change. I said, because I don't like feeling like I can't follow my passion. So I got, I know there's a lot of people that feel like that. And I, and I was like, you know what? That's what's, that's what's impacting the world. That's why there's so much hate and such a divide amongst us because everybody is so hateful and regretful of not doing something. And they see somebody else doing something that they wish they could do or go places or, you know, just be happy. And that's what's creating a divide. I'm like, yo, I want to be, I want to be that 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 denominator. Yeah. You know what? I want I want to be like that that can inspire people. Like, yo, listen, if you just do it, like you don't gotta worry about that. Like, you know, the obstacles are gonna come with it. But trust me, like when you look at all these Gucci, Louis, Bad Boy, Rockefeller, like all these different all these different brands and labels, especially like if you in the hip hop or you in the fashion or, or even food, like. You see, like how all these brands are. So you know, like they they started from there. that point where you want to start from. Yeah. You know, some some had more than others at the time to do it, but it's still a, a starting point. Yeah. You know, so that's how it really came about. It really it really came about from me not being able to get my degree when I was supposed to. That's what created passionate rebel. Passionate rebel. 
Yeah, and it, it's not, it's never a regret. Like, people use that, like, yo, you like, you, you're not mad at, like, nah, because honestly, I'm, again, what's meant for you at the time is going to be meant for you. And I think if I had acquired my degree at the time, I would have just strictly just went into the classroom. Yeah. And just, and just taught. But I'm like, you know, I started looking at it like, yo, this is a bigger picture than that. And then I, I, I wound up, I, I wound up acquiring my degree. They yeah, yeah, that was the next question. That was the next question. So you end up getting it anyway. Yeah, and which honestly, they gave it to me in 2017. And 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 you was you was done with you fulfilled all your requirements in what year? All the requirements fulfilled everything. Like, and you, I didn't have to go on campus to take another class. Nothing. I'm just saying, all you I, you did all of that in what year? I did all that in 2011. So from 11 to 17, they had you on pause. Had me on pause. And all I had to do for 2017 was to call and just say, hey, listen, um, because they was offering like another alternative program. Not not even an alternative program, but everybody that had their, um, what is it, internship, finished everything. It was a, um, you could switch your studies over to like applied liberal studies. Yeah. For like an art, art, like, you know, art program and stuff like that, in which apply liberal studies is you're gonna apply your degree to any area. Yeah. You know, and I was like, you know what? I was like, you know what? Honestly, I'm fine. I take it because at this point, I'm already entrepreneur for about six, seven years now. Yeah, you were already like, wiggling. So. Like yeah, I'm like you know I don't I don't I don't found ways to to bring in income. I don't found my own way to get into the schools without actually having to be an actual teacher. Yeah, you know, I done made these relationships with principals and people, and then you know I got people call like say, hey, you know, we want to book you for you know to come speak for an hour, like you know, and I'm like, oh, like okay, and it's like, and I and I had to I had to operate in that fashion of like as if I never went to school because if I did, if I if I didn't, I was going to still dwell on the fact that I put in all this work and all that stuff, and I didn't get what I mainly went to school for. I love it. I love it. I love it, man. It's, it's I think it's it's definitely where we come from, man. It's just a different situation, you know. Um you you you're throwing a lot of curveballs, you know what I mean, but you able to, you know, maneuver. Um but there's a lot of people that didn't. But one one thing I understand with your story and mine as well, and a lot of us, is is at that age in, in high school or in the schools where the passion is killed. It's weird. It's killed because nobody's saying it. Because for me, as an adult, I I don't tell people all the time about following a passion. And the reason why I say I don't tell them that because they take it wrong. They take it the wrong way. They literally are saying like somebody's forty years old and they're like, forget this job. But you got three kids and you got a wife and you got you know responsibilities, and you're letting go of your responsibilities for your passion. You don't have the right to do that. You can do your passion on the side, but you can you have to pay your bills. You have to take care of your responsibilities. You have to do all that stuff because it's tough. But as a kid, hell yeah, go go do whatever you feel like doing. And that's what we t- heard the most of. Uh, well, especially when you get to high school. Well, I see you want to rap, but you ain't going to make no real money unless you do this. You know what I'm saying? Or you in college, especially in HBCUs. They're saying, you know, what are you talking about? Entrepreneurship. Boy, you better get this job. You know, you better do this. Make your mom or daddy proud. 
And it's like they'll be proud. They should be proud if I'm happy or if I'm not doing anything wrong. But those are the in, in school is where the, the passion. And I gotta say, this is my opinion. Don't have to be nobody else's opinion. And in church, a lot of a lot of the passion in the black community is killed in those institutions. And so, for me, I'm like, when at what point did you decide it's going to be into the schools and dealing with the kids? Far as pushing your your narrative, see, for me it was like um, I remember I was matter of fact, 2016. I had just I had gotten to like the real uh, what was it 2015. I had gotten to the whole mood of when I did start the brand. For me to be successful, I, I got to make sure that you know I'm um, I'm in the space to do it, and not even just talking like financially. I'm in like physically, so. I had to get into that. I had to make sure that I was mobile because I already knew that, like, again, some things are NA, you just know. I already knew that I was going to have to be as mobile as I need to be to get things done. Yeah. Because I don't watch the number of shows and all that stuff to see how people, like, you know, people brought it to New York, LA, everywhere. You moving, like, to make this stuff happen. So I remember, um, I, I, like, I decided to start getting in shape, working out. Mm. And then one day I was at the track and I was I was jogging. I had on the Passionate Rebel Bear hoodie. I had on a, a pink one, a Rebel Against Breast Cancer one that I did. And I was running. It was a gentleman out there. He was like he was like sixty five, sixty five older brother. He was running, but he wanted. I guess he waited until I stopped running. I started walking, so he caught up to me. And he was like, "Hey, hey, you know, he's asking like, what's my name? Blah blah. blah. What I do?" And I'm telling him. And, you know, he was telling, he was like, you know, you remind me of myself when I was a young brother, man. You definitely do. And he was like, you know, the biggest thing that I learned is to follow your passion. But he was like, how you feel, how how you feel, let's just say you make it to 65, God willing. He said, how you feel as a kid at the age of five is how you should feel at 65. Mm. Like, or feeling that Anything is possible. That's beautiful. And, and this and this was this is what I love so much about imagination. Like as a young kid, your imagination can take you as far as you can. Like if you in the house, I remember like my brothers and them wasn't wasn't around, and I'm sitting outside playing with myself. I done created a whole force field of imagination that uh, I'm in space <laughs> doing this. Yeah, playing basketball with Spider Man, something like that, and I'm truly seeing it. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm seeing it. And as a kid, your, your imagination is so free. You don't have anybody telling you that you can't make it as a, as a kid. I love it. You know, so that was that that was what it was for me. You know, when he said that, he was like, you know, you got to impact the, the community as much as you can and, and the youth because the world is always going to continue to transition. And we can only grow when we're moving collectively. It's a... It's a it's it's a journey. It's going to be a task because everybody is dealing with a whole bunch of things, you know, but everybody has one common goal, which is to be successful in life. You know, it may be derailed just by based on the, the based on perspective because of where you come from. Yeah. You know, of how you get to that goal. But he was like, that's the end goal. But he was like, you know, you have the, you have the ability to, to uplift like the you and that's what for me that's what I said that's where it starts at. Yeah. Like I can't I can encourage older individuals 
like like listen, you like you got you got the opportunity, you got time, but to me it's it's with the youth because one day possibly I do want to have a kid. Yeah. You know, and you know, I don't want not even just to get my you know, my niece, my nephew, my goddaughter, my godson, cousin, little cousin. You know, we don't want to again in our family, we have so many, like so many. Yeah. You know, and we don't we don't want to continue like that, that generational curse of saying, like, yo, at five, we telling you you can be anything that you want to be, but at 17, when you finally saying what you want to be, it's <laughs> Like, nah, listen, yo. It's a total okie doke, right? It's a total okie doke. They hit you yeah, with that the whole like, time. Like, yeah, like, how you gonna tell me all my life from the age five up until, like, I could be whatever, I can go wherever I want, which is possible, but based on your obstacles that you face, exactly, so and so face, and what you see, now you gonna try to block me because. You think I'm gonna experience the same thing now? In order to not do that, you want to try to set me up with, with the Ogie dope. It's, it, it happens too much. Um, definitely, um, that's a family thing that happened. But it's, it's just a trait, period, man, in the black community. And you know, we go through a lot of the, and I'm sure other communities go through it as well. But we can speak on ours. Yeah. Um, wholeheartedly, it's just like it's the fear, you know, it's the fear factor, and fear is present for all of us. But at me as a person who have children, my fear is not letting them be in a position to do whatever they they want to do and follow their dreams and their passions, as opposed to me using that same fear to say because of what happened to me, you can't do it. I'm gonna make sure you have this job. I'm gonna make sure you do it. I bust my ass so my kids can actually have an opportunity through high school to do whatever they want to do and explore because I think that that's what we're missing. The exploratory phase, you know what I'm saying? You got kids growing up too fast. They got to take help take care of mom and daddy or even themselves at an early age. And now they're not exploring. They're not trying to see what they actually like and test the waters because they'll make the, the shift. If they say they want to rap and it's too hard for them, they feel like they're going to be like, all right, well, never mind. I had that. I tried it. At least they tried it. You know what I'm saying? And if they want to sing, they want to dance, whatever they want to do. It shouldn't matter. I tell people all the time, you know, you make your kids pay bills and all that other stuff. Like, you got to pay the bills anyway. So, whether they're there or not, the same rent or mortgage still got to get paid. So, don't do all of that. Give them a chance to be children. You know what I'm saying? You could instill some, you know, some stuff in them. Clean your room. Clean up after, you know, help out, whatever. I always talk to my kids about being team players. So, if you see your mom cooking all the time, don't cook for her. Help her out. You do the dishes. You do this. You know what I'm saying? Whatever. You set the yeah. table. Yeah. Those things. But we're not teaching that no more because everybody's just under pressure. Some some of stuff is regular pressure of life and some self-inflicted. You know, some of it is just we think it's pressure because we're trying to keep up with other people, making sure your kids have true religions or, you know, what's the new Amiris and everything right now to keep up. And that's not even, that's that's a fake thing. Like, it's a fake, it's a pressure. <laughs> I'm laughing that you said that because I'm looking like, yo, <clears throat> I be seeing kids as like three or four having like thousand dollar photo shoots. <laughs> <laughs> and it like looks fine. You know? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just saying that to highlight of just looking at the trends of that. Because, you know, again, growing up, birthday parties for us, they used to be the simple hot dog with the Carvel cake and the ice cream. <laughs> Vanilla strawberry chocolate together. Exactly. You just have to have your friends from your second grade class 
Possibly, like, yeah. but maybe it's just all family. Yeah, it's maybe just all family, and that's it. Yeah, like that was enough for us. And again, I'm not knocking anybody that want to, you know, celebrate their kids in a certain fashion. But I, I just think when it becomes a trend or something, and uh, kids or people just now develop a sense of entitlement, like, like no, like I just like no, I deserve to have a uh, to celebrate my my ten year old. Birthday party at Benny Hanna and had them do XYZ. Like, listen, I'm not knocking none of that. It's just uh, creating that habit of what now they feel like they had, like they need that. Yeah. They want that. And they should have that. That becomes the issue because a lot of that, that once they get to a certain age, that mindset is hard to change. Yeah. It definitely like, it's is. It's hard to change. And then it doesn't help that it's starting to be seen on Instagram. Facebook and yeah. social media places and all this stuff without like that create that creates a hard rock that, that can't be moved. And, and you said about a mouthful because they they're not prepared for what I'm about to ask you. Adversity, because you finally decided on something, right? So what was some of the adversity you faced going out with it? Because everybody didn't say, Oh, this is dope, let's just roll with it. What was some of the roadblocks you you know you went through once you decided you was gonna go with Passionate Rebel? Yeah, I think um, 2014, the biggest one was um, I had got laid off from um, from the city of North. Mm. I got laid off because, again, like my mom said, once I, once I finally left the bank and they did establish the LLC and all this stuff, I'm like in go mode now. I'm like, all right, y'all, so now I'm doing my research on the T-shirts, like on the wholesale, like where to, like who could print, uh, you know, like who could, who could do the, who could do the logo like this. All that stuff with that, like you know, I'm I'm getting all those things done. I'm I'm researching all those things. The logo is finally done. All this stuff. I'm like, I'm gonna use my next check. To blah blah blah. And I received a letter like, yeah, like yeah, you know, your tenure with the city of Newark is up. Blah blah. blah all this stuff. So now I'm like, yeah, I'm like, dang, like, so how am I going to remain consistent now? Yeah. And you know, and um, I think at that time, my man, um. Oh, man, he was one of the counselors for the city of North. Um, not like one of the, the council members, but he was a counselor for the program that yeah. we were uh, a part of. He wound up getting laid off too, but he wound up becoming one of the uh, directors down at the YMCA. And it was a, a part-time joint. I was like, you know what? Honestly, I got to do it. Because I don't, I don't know how I'm going to how I'm a fund it, but I was like, so I got to fund it because this is what I truly want. And all that stuff, whatever. So, you know, before I got to that, I was using like my unemployment that I was receiving to do all types of different initiatives and projects, like do the, the hoodies for the breast cancer wall, to do t shirts in general, to do our autism awareness um, t shirts and stuff. And then I wound up working for the YMCA, whether, you know, just using that and just that. And that was just in the combination of not only doing the brand, but paying my, my bills, Cardinal. Yeah. Uh, Cell phone, car though. They need to hear that though. They need Listen, to hear that. Like, this is what happens. Like, yeah, like it, it, like that was the, the greatest. And I don't even think my, I, I wasn't in the way of myself because I already determined it. Like, yo, no, I'm, I'm out of the Like, like, I don't care. I got, I got to get the funding for this and all yeah. the things or whatever. And it's like, you know, that's where we were with it and just still pushing. Even to this day, like, even, um, I'm a, um, a YDS for a school-based program at um, Columbia High School. Yeah. And that's in partnership with Passion Rebel. Like, and it's so crazy because I use all those experiences 
in different positions to feed passionate rebels. I got students that look at passion. I wear apparel every day. I see like they see that me being a part of fashion week, me doing these different initiatives in the community. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, this is this is this is funding, not even just financially. It's it's feeding passionate rebels, like stimulating passionate rebels socially, you know, emotionally, physically. Yeah. And all those things or whatever. So and 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 that's where and that's where we got like listen creating a brand like you're you're in a i don't want to even say a war but you're uh, up against societal societal pressure you're up against brands that people feel like they need to live you know <laughs> like and we and we're going like and we're going in the, in the door I, what i can say about passion road like we're not scared of anything like we we're in the room with all different type of nationalities, people of different ethnicities, you know, that don't even know, you know, what it's like coming from our community. You yeah. know? So yeah. and like we're in the face of these people and we, we done created lanes that a lot of brands haven't created. Like i we created a mascot, a passionate rebel mascot that just goes to schools and takes pictures and stuff. And I love that idea, man. I love that idea. That when you told me that, I'm like, yo, we gotta get you over to Vegas, man. Because it's it's just so ill. And you're right, people, a lot of people aren't doing that. And so that's just an ill situation, man. And I, you know, I definitely gotta applaud you for that. You who came up with the idea for the mascot? It was the mascot is actually supposed to be a representation of me. That's why he's like <laughs> he's, he's supposed to be a representation of me. That's why it's like when people be looking at it, it's so like a conversation. It's a conversation piece. When I first did it, even like you can see the change. Yeah, yeah. Well, Passion Rebel University. When we first did it, it became a conversation piece. Of course, and people like yo, yo, that's a Kanye beer. So you know, people that like college dropout. Yeah, the college dropout joint. Yeah. Uh huh. I had a student. I had a student one day because I'm one of the students that said it. And I'm like, and one of the students actually before I said anything, she was like, "No, that that don't even look like the 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 Kanye was been like. Look at it. Like look at it exactly. And all I said, it don't even look like. It. I'm like. Yeah, I'm like it's supposed to be a representation of me. It's like it's not even a graduation jacket. It's a denim. It's a denim. Um, because at the time when I was having my man um design it, that's what I was wearing. Yeah, I had a denim button up one with a V-neck. Yeah, and my glasses <laughs> and some and some camouflage. It's some camouflage cargo and all that. And some sneakers. A great mind. Like, dang. like yeah, like and when he did it, I was like, dang, like that's that's really you know. That's really a representation. And it was supposed to be more than just a representation of education. It was just like graduating in life and acquiring more for yourself yeah. and moving up. So that's what it, that's what it, like the logo was like really representing. That's so funny because my last book, um, the cover is, is a silhouette of me. Literally, my daughter took a picture of me in my office and I just got finished doing a recording. I don't know what I was recording at the time, but I'm sitting there with my, my, back to the wall with my foot on the, on the wall and I got my phone. I'm looking at my phone and she took a picture of me and then it got to a point where she would catch me like that multiple times and literally that's the that's what's on my last book. That's on the cover of my last book. <laughs> so yeah, this is what it is. <laughs> so, so, something memorable that's like that 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 paved the way for something um, great to be created and happen. So it was like, yeah, so like, because at first we went through 
multiple things like with the logo. First, the the, um, the glasses we had on sunglasses and all that stuff. Tell them, tell them, tell them. It ain't just happened one. It wasn't a one drive. It was like a bunch of drives, right? direction man you know and again you said 2014 it's eight years you know what i mean and you're still going like they think talk about the fact that everybody now believes it has to be overnight and really overnight (laughs) it's like 10 year 20 years sometime for for people to yeah like listen man if if this was overnight man listen you do a lot you could do eight years of work and overnight man Listen, give me give me that formula. Please. <laughs> <laughs> like, give me that formula. But yeah, and that's eight years, eight, I wanna say eight years of hardship of not knowing what's next. Yeah. You know, this like because a number of things, like I've created things and expected it to have a certain a certain outcome. Yeah. And it didn't. Yeah. You know, and it's not even just like we we make an impact and people are still seeing it because even at the thought of starting, I had to I had to think of it wasn't a, it wasn't it wasn't for my family. I'm only saying it wasn't for my family because when you think of expanding and going beyond, and people always create the, the narrative like you know people only support you because they family and all those things or whatever. So I was in that at that time in that mindset. I was like to show myself that this would be successful. I, was, I had to create it for like with people that was like in Alaska or something. Yeah. Like that was my thought. Like that's how far I want to go. That's crazy. You know, so yeah, like that was the thought of it. I'm like, if I, I could create it and people that I don't know gravitate towards it, then I got something. I got something special. That's a mouthful, bro. Because when um, this is a quote, I can't remember the guy's name, but I know he's the CEO of Zara, the clothing store. Zara, he said that America is where fashion goes to die. What do you think about that? Goes to die. Uh, it depends. It really depends. Well, let me give you the reason real fast. Let me tell you his reason. He said because it's trendy. It's too trendy. He said that people in America don't understand fabric. They don't really know clothing. It's just, it all depends on whose name is on it. And that's how they purchase. So that's, that was his, his reason for saying that in, in, in an abbreviated version. I mean, you know what? I'm going to go a little bit far because I actually had the chance to watch, um, had the chance to watch House of Gucci. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and... The, the the biggest thing, because I, I was really watching it to see if they was going to highlight that, but then that's what I was really watching. It yeah, nah. <laughs> and all that. But the biggest part of it was when she was in the house and the maid came with the bag. Yeah. And she was like, where did you get it? And of course she went 
they are researching seeing how all how they related to bootleggers mm-hmm. African American, which ended, which sparked in my head. I was like, I, which I always said to myself after hearing all this like controversial stuff about Gucci and stuff throughout the years, I'm a hundred, I'm a hundred, a hundred twenty million percent sure that they never created for black. Yeah, of course not. So when I seen that part, he said when he gave his response, right? Al Pacino gave his response to saying, you know, um, was not fake and all that, but it's not Gucci. Yeah. Meaning that it's not the original, it's not the it's not the original. Yeah. And if you want to feel like you're a part of Gucci, then let them go buy it. Boom. But if you want to feel like you're a part of Gucci, then go to Gucci. Yeah. And all that stuff or whatever. And you know, everybody and honestly, I feel like all those things is trend. That's why I always said when I first started the brand, I didn't want it. I didn't even want it to be a fashion brand because I felt like everything was oversaturated. Yeah. Like that's a like anybody could grab a t-shirt and put the word yo on it. Like you feel listen. I got the yo line. <laughs> like, yeah, like that's how that's uh, how that's how a fact. it is. But what I learned is anything that has purpose and has um substance. And can create something and can create more than just a look. You create a movement. Yeah. That's that's gonna create the the life in everything that you do. Yeah. So I get what he was saying because things are so trendy. Again, like I feel I feel like wearing Jordan is is trendy. And I only say that because of how they done got everybody like us buying Jordans back in the day, we didn't have a standing line. Uh uh-uh, uh, not at all. Not at all. We didn't have the standing line. So like Every like my thing of like somebody standing in line, a million people standing in line to get the exact same shoe and same color. It's like okay, so I, I get I get what he's saying that it can become trendy and things like that. And I mean, and I and you can't say that like that's where fashion goes to die because America is fat. Like that's what that's what represents America, like people. Fashion, fashion, fashion connects all of us. Yeah. Like you done got it to the point where people will fly out of the country to go get something, or somebody is bootlegging something in another country. Yeah. Like fashion, every like everybody, no matter the race, I don't care Asian, Jamaican, Hispanic, Jewish, Dutch, whatever. Everybody is connected to fashion now. It's worldwide. Thanks, yeah. And also thanks to social media, you can see it anywhere at any time. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, I, I I I get what he's saying, but it's it's not because America America is, is trendy for a lot of things, and a lot of things that we possibly did uh, originate possibly has gone to other countries as well. Yeah. That's like that's like you can't that's like that's like saying uh like saying uh England is where hip hop died. Like no, like you can't say that. Like I can't, like you know, like you know, hip hop started in the Bronx. Yeah. Like music is powerful. It's 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 everywhere. You have people from different nations that's created music. Yeah. That's heard everywhere. So you can't, like, you just can't say something goes somewhere to die. You can't say that. Yeah. You look at his narrative, and I agree, and um, definitely with your narrative. You look at his narrative, um, where, again, this is just a big time businessman in the fashion industry. And he is one of the reasons why he said it, what well, a conversation came up and I was reading this piece is because he doesn't have a lot of stores in America. You know, um, he has like a couple hundred mm-hmm. stores and got like 20 in, in the United States, maybe a couple more at this point. Cause I maybe read it about five years ago, but 
he didn't have a lot of stores and everybody's trying to wonder why he didn't have a lot of stores in America. And this is what, why he chose to not do it. And I imagine, cause again, I listened to like Remy Ma's interview on drink champs. And all she talked about was late. Oh, oh, oh. So you, you a bum, you dress at, and you, you shop at H and M you shop out. You won't catch me dead in Macy's. And you, you see what I'm saying? Like, when you start to hear these are the people that these are our representatives our representatives because he's not from here, he's from Europe so he might hear mm. a, a rapper or a celebrity that's black more so than hearing somebody like us or somebody that's coming from the trenches he's gonna hear the celebrities and the celebrities are saying you're not popping or what they call it, you're not lit if you're not shopping at Gucci Prada um, Dior or something like that and so he's probably saying. It's too trendy for me because Zara is dope line and it's a dope store, but it's 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 inexpensive and they're equating because what's wrong with Macy's? Macy's ain't never been a bad store. I mean, that's where I get my polo at. You know what I mean? Like so. Oh, Shoot, I was listen. I was getting my polo from Marshall. <laughs> I get that too. You know what I mean? If I catch him right in there, my size, I'm gonna get it there. But Macy's, I know they always got it. You know what I mean? Or go to the polo outlet. But this is the point. That we have to, you know, you coming into this business. That's why I was just thinking, like, what, what's your, your your thought process? Because Russell Simmons said it years ago. You know, we only get one tenth of one percent of the money coming out of the fashion industry. You know what I'm saying? And so it's something that we're missing in that space. Like, it's something that we're missing. Some part of the fashion industry is not oversaturated. It's just definitely not oversaturated with us because we ain't get enough of the money. So yeah. what part of it are we missing and, and, and how do we going forward, you know, find a way to, to wiggle into those things? Because we are creative. We're super dope at what we do. I think in our community, again, you have the Remy Mines talking that crazy shit. And then you got other people saying, you know, dumb things. Uh, you know, again, we are the ones that is that Jay-Z's or is it yours? Same brand, same everything. You know, Kanye sold a $100 T-shirt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we was doing white tees, big white tees since, you know, we were kids. And now it's Kanye's T-shirt, you know, 3, 4X oversized T-shirt is $100. I think, honestly, for me, um, which has, like, really been a big help, is that the fact of when I started the brand, I said I wanted to be multifaceted. I said that from the get-go and all that stuff, whatever. And I think if I didn't choose that, I don't I don't think I would have progressed the way I progressed thus far. You know, when I'm when I'm doing fashion, it's not my my fashion is is based off an initiative that I'm pushing or how I feel. Yeah. You know, and what areas I'm trying to make change. Love it. It just so happens that it just so happens that that, you know, with my personality and wanting to be well-rounded and things of that sort, I can create a look just based off how I feel and that kind of caters to what other people do. I love you know, it. Plus, yeah, so it's like, you know, when I'm going into different avenues, of course, I'm looking at the fashion weeks and stuff like that, but I'm creating what a passion rebel is and the passion rebel is anybody. Yeah. You know, so that's 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 what has aided. Like, when I do certain like, that's like, um, recently I did, um, Prime example of everything that I said about Morgan, and I give so much praise and appreciation to Morgan because for that, like what, what how it went is what produced a passion rebel. So I recently created a Morgan shirt that said Morgan made a passion rebel. 
And mm. a lot of my Morganites, fellow Morganites, was buying the sweatshirt. You know, and then it got to a point where someone hit me, someone hit me and was like, um, hey, are you going to do that shirt for other schools? And I was just in a selfish mode at the time. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to rock with Clark or Montclair and all that. But then, I, then another person, my people, she hit me and we actually discussed it and was talking about it and was like, we were like, you know, and honestly, like we should because that that's a representation like of everybody and how the black community praises HBCU. And I was like, and then I was like, you know what? You can actually be visible without being visible, like on these on these campuses. Word. Like, and it's and it and what it represented. I wish I would have brought the shirt down with me, but and what it represented, what it sees, it, it creates another lane. So like that's what I was thinking, like always thinking about. And then just with fashion, with the other fashion aspects, I was like, listen, I could, I can produce things that represent, you know, black excellence. We did a show that said black excellence. To identify black excellence, we gotta identify those who surround us, yeah. who are nearest. So let's start with those closest to us. Right. So it was like, and that's since I was talking about how I have I have youth or young people that like, yo, LeBron is my hero. <laughs> and so and so is my hero, but don't highlight these teachers that raised them. Yeah, or, or the san- or the sanitation workers who probably just came out of jail and is finding a way to survive and be better. You know, like and, and, and those like those are like so. I, I always base it off initiative. Yeah, yeah, I think that's dope. Angel of it. So like that's that's what it comes down to me. As far as like honestly, I never I never uh, wait. Can you still hear me? Because I, I can hear you. I can hear you. I can like, hear you. Right. Yeah, like me personally, I never idolize rappers like that. Yeah. I, I idolize the movements that they created. Yeah. So like Jay Z, Rockefeller, Cam, Diplomat, uh, DMX, Rough Riders, like MOP, Wu Tang, um, CNN. And I used to always see like the change that they had. That was probably one of the biggest reasons why I created like my own change. Yeah. Because of what it signified was that, you know, they're moving, they're making impact and they're here. They're letting it, aside from them being dope lyrically, everybody. But that's what I idolized about them. But I never sit there and took their word like, nah, you ain't, you ain't lit, you ain't rocking boots. Yeah. And all that stuff, whatever. Because you gotta stand like, y'all living. If you're looking at those 2000 award pitches and all that stuff on BET and the source, nobody was rock, was rocking Gucci and stuff like that. I mean, of course, you had like stuff back in like the 80s and 90s and stuff like that, but they moved into the 2000 era where they were work, rocking baggy clothes and keep it all the way funky. It was the country jokers like the um, like Cash Money in them who was trying to do all of that. That was it, and that was country to us. <laughs> Like exactly, Remy Ma had the had the, the belt that had like the little thing going across and all that. The shot, like every, like everything, like, you can't say like you can't get to that point and then talk down about on a community that you know that they're not lit. They can't afford it. They're not having it because I never I never operated in fashion like that. I was able to take again. I go to Marshalls and get the polo and all that stuff and, and go on some Nike blazers or something like that or whatever and still be like rocking jerseys like that was our thing like yeah you know, like, i would never say to my students now nah, and they i they i me as like as as a as a 
fat as a as a fashionista. <laughs> I can't look at and I can't even walk in if I'm if it's raining. I just want to come in like on some hoodie, some jeans, some loose sneakers. They come in like like Yo, that's your fit today. Like, <laughs> like like one of those. Like they, they hold me to a standard now. Like, yeah. I can't even come in on some chill stuff. Like my chill wear got to be like yo. Dang, yo, he mad far today. Like, like even on the chill I mean, tip, right? <laughs> yeah, like I would never say to them, like, yo, you ain't got no Louis on, like you ain't hitting. Because that that's what the issue is now. That's why they, they feel like they have to be a certain way or look a certain way. Like you got 13-year-olds that's looking at these models on Instagram and they want to be like, yeah. this is like 13-year-olds. Yeah. You know, and that's the issue. Like, that's what we gotta understand. That's the issue. It's like, I mean, everybody is gonna prefer what they're gonna wear, what they're gonna do, what they're gonna eat, how they're gonna live. But don't throw it in the faces of people that's like are still trying to come up and only wish to God that they can get a million dollars one day. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. You know, so it sucks, you know, because like I said, I listened to the interview and it was cool because, you know, being a hip hop fan and, and you know, I, I, I rocks with her, you know, and everything like that. But the disposition of she was like, yeah, if you catch me and what's it call it? I, I can't nobody see me in, in this store because they're they going to think I'm fucked up. And like because you dress it because you there like, you know, H&M got some dope shit, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And but Very it's just yeah, it's, it's just one of those things, man. So, again, you know. People understand and heard heard your story, heard what you go, and I, I love it. I love the fact that everybody they always think that it's just like leave the job, leave the job. I put that in my second book. The first thing you do is hustle while you work. You know what I mean? Like your job is your number one investor because you know a lot of people not giving you fifty thousand dollars or a hundred million dollars to start with. Like you got to start with what you got, and so you got to have that job, and that helps you out. But stand tall, reclaim victory every day. You know. Um, I know what it means to me. What does that mean to you when you hear somebody say stand tall and reclaim victory every day? Continue to stand on your own. Not even just stand on your own, but stand up in the face of of adversity. Stand up in the face of success. You know, stand up in the face of of, of failure. You know, the only way to continue to go is to stand up and keep keep going. Yeah, you know, and no, and no matter the no matter the position, you know, there's, there's a possibility to be successful and reclaim or even claim, you know, those positive affirmations that you place out there. So yeah, there's no, there's no li- limiting yourself just based on where you are because I mean, you have people who who started in worse positions, you know. Yeah, and you have people, honestly. You have people that's in the best position that want to be like with some super weirdos. Like, everybody, everybody is a human being at the end of the day. I don't care. They got six hundred zillion, billion, zillion, whatever, whatever that the top number is. Like they have that much money and all that stuff, whatever. Like everybody is still is still a human being. Still, you know, suffer from. Um, a lot of the same downfalls that a lot of us deal with, or just a lot of the low moments or high moments, we all have. Them, yeah. You know? And I think the biggest part is the biggest part of all that is just being honest with yourself. Mm, I love that. You know? Yeah, it's just being honest with yourself and saying, you know what, I need to, I need to get back to this. I need to let this go, and or I need to, I need to do this. Yeah, you know, I need to open up about this, like, and that's 
Like we live in like a, a cynical world, right? We're like, <laughs> we're like emotional dishonesty or just the want to be a true version of yourself is kind of like being like suppressed. And you know, we can't we can't do that no more. Like we can't operate like that no more because there's different generations coming behind us. Like I, you know, I, I would never want to see my and I and I say all that because again, I work with the youth daily. Yeah. You know, and I see what they go through. And it's like, dang, if I know an older gentleman that's dealing with that at that at that age, and I see this young, young girl or young man dealing with it like that, like, damn, like what is that? Like just the other day, as a matter of fact, um, we had a sophomore at my school um who committed suicide. Damn. You know, as a matter of fact, it was just last week. And it's just one of the saddest things because it's like, you know, I feel like this generation now, and we're part of this generation, but you know, these young students now, a lot of times they're being so condemned for how they feel. Yeah. You know? and wow. Not, and, and and they don't and they don't truly, they don't even, they haven't even gotten a chance to fully live. And you know, and I say they being condemned, it's like, you know, when they're with their friends and you know, it may and it may it may be a cry for help when they say something, but they don't get the response that they're looking for because this group of their group of friends probably don't even know what it is that they're saying. Yeah. Wow, so, man. That's, I'm sorry to hear that because I know when stuff like that happens, you know, um, it affects everybody. So especially in the school. So you know, my condolences to you because I'm sure that being around, you probably knew the kid and and you saw it and man, that's just a sad situation all the way around. Um, and we missing these grandmothers, man, and and and. Those days because grandmas was the ones who can, you know, give it to you a certain kind of way. And the parents are so focused on their careers way more than they ever was, especially in our community, man. And 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 the kids are suffering and they can't get somebody to, you know, spin it. You know, the mama's going to talk to you out of, you know, out of feeling bad about getting your ass whooped when we were growing up. You know what I'm saying? Or grandmamas or something like that. But these kids now... You know, you got to see it on social media and, you know, uh, somebody still, it's it just, we got we to gotta do better to, to, to try to help them and make them feel okay with, like you said, being yourself and being the best version of yourself. Because um, you're right, it's people our age, people in their 30s and 40s that are like literally having identity crisis. You know what I mean? So you know that they are definitely going through it at that age, man, and we got to do something to like make sure that they can stand tall and reclaim victory every day. Understand that it's a fight. You know, it's a fight every yeah. day. And when you get up, that's the first victory. Just your eyes opening. Then you being able to get out with the activity of your limbs, that's another victory. And then you got another day to do it better than you did. And then when you did do it better, you had a better day. That's a victory. Like continuously reminding yourself of your victories because we miss that in our everyday walk. Like we don't celebrate small wins. We don't celebrate small wins. It got to be the yeah. Super Bowl, you know what I'm saying, or the World Series. That's, you know what? And I've been saying that, I've been saying that for like some quite some time now. I'm like, yo, you gotta those those small wins creates the the bigger opportunity. Yeah, man. You know, so you can't you can't downplay that. You can't downplay yourself. Yeah, I work at I work at McDonald's, man. And, you know, I'm, I'm 20. I'm working at McDonald's. You know, like, like, okay. <laughs> That's why we need it, though. That's why we're needed. Because I tell somebody, 31, I was working for $8 an hour. You know, 
32, I'm sorry. At 32, I was working for $8 an hour. You know, um, and I got friends who were like, man, I ain't taking that job. Yeah, because you was a kingpin or you was knocking it out the park, but you're not that no more. And if you really understand who you are, I understood the assignment. Like, just give me some money. I don't care how much it is. If I can get some money coming on a regular basis, I know what to do with it. You know, if it's $8 or $80, I'm going to show you how to wiggle if you give me something. You know, and that's what it was. That was a mind. Like, when I said I took the job at, at the YMCA, like, no. Like, if I didn't take that job at the time, I, was there, I probably wouldn't have progressed that year with Passion Rebel because that, that, like, your unemployment only lasts for, like, six months. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like, what's it? Yeah, once that ran out, I was like, I mean, I was thinking about that like prior to it running out, but I'm like, I was on a, I was on a, on a countdown. I'm yeah. like, yo, like, man, I got like, I got like three more payments left on me. So, <laughs> <laughs> like my man, when I hit my man, he said like, yo, like, yeah, I got, I got a position at, you know what I mean, at, at the lunch. Yeah, I was like, yo, say no more, send it over. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, cause I knew what it was. I mean, I'm not again. I'm an honest person. I'm not gonna lie to myself. Yeah. So like that's why I don't. I don't judge anybody. I see people for the best version of themselves. Like even if it, even if I'm a the CEO of Passion and Rebel, I'm saying what's up to you know this sanitation worker or this gen, the janitorial staff, and I'm talking to them with value and all Word. that stuff. Like, I'm sure they got a family and they doing what they got to do for their family for themselves. And they, they're they a big example in their household. You know, funny thing, and I know we're going to um, wrap it up, but this is something beautiful I saw. You know, I saw other generations, not other generations, other nationalities respected because I remember working for $8 an hour at home. It was at the Hampton Inn Hotel. And I remember like four years later, my daughter was swimming at this place called the Jewish Community Center. she That's where she does her swimming. She's a competitive swimmer. And my boss, the owner of the hotel, his grandson was there. And so he like, hey, man, it's good to see you. What you doing now? And I told him about my business. And he was like, yeah, you always talked about that when you were at work. He's, he's like, I'm so proud of you. I'm happy. Like, other cats would have, like, he saw me at one spot. And he understood, the, because they come from overseas and, 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 and be driving the cab. And before you know it, they own a whole block. You know what I mean? Like, they understood what it was. You know what I mean? Like, we're looking like holding you at the eight. Oh, I saw you working for $8. I saw you mopping the floor. Like, today. But they ain't going to be where I'm going to be at next year. You know what I'm saying? And it's a different situation. So, we got to do better with that when we're dealing with our people and our counterparts. It's like, you don't know what they're going through at that time. But that don't mean that that's where they're going to be at. And and for people who listening, that don't mean you're going to be there. You know, I saw a lady, and I put that in my book. It was a lady, um, and she had just paid me like $1,000 for some photo and video work. And um, the next week, she walked into my hotel. She had a friend that was coming in town, and he was staying at my hotel. I didn't know. She literally walked in. I got the mop bucket in hand. I'm getting busy at the front, get that, um, front, um, front of the front desk. And she looked at me like, like I duped her, like I like I robbed her for her money, because mm-hmm. if she didn't know what I did on the day to day, she would have never gave me that back. You know what I mean? The work wasn't bad, you know, none of that. But we look at each other like that. You know what I'm saying? We look at each other like that, and and so we don't do it because we know people are looking at us like that. We don't take that job because we know people are looking at us like that. We don't. You say you are an entrepreneur, so why are you? Working at the at at the um, the boys and girls club, you say 
you know, you where the office at? Where, where the big building at? Where, where all the stuff that we see on TV at? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like, you know, and that's, and that was something that I, and I even learned back in being in college. You know, in college, like, you, you're not in a bubble. So it's like, you, you bound to come across anybody. And I think when I used to come across people that was like, that was a freshman, they might be like 35 or something. Yeah, like they in the class, like you know, they in the yeah, yeah. freshman Remember. orientation. Once we engage in conversation, he's like, "Yeah, you know, my husband, you know, you know, my wife the same way, man. I got two kids." And I'm like, and I'm at some, I'm like, I'm like, damn, I'm like, yo, wait, I'm, are you 18? And they <laughs> like, nah, I'm like, so and so. So and I learned that, like, yo, like, and they, you know, people start conveying like their stories on wild, like, you know, when I was, I started college, I wound up, you know, wound up having children and. I had to drop out for a minute. Now I'm back. So that's what like that kind of resonates. And it comes back and you're like, damn, that's why you can't judge a book by its cover because you don't know what people have been through. And like, you actually got to applaud these people. Word. Because that's a big, something like that, like 35, 40, and you going back to get your bachelor's and you in a class with 18 year olds. It's like, yo, man, if I leave here, man, I'm going I'm going to get some drink. Like, yo, I'm about to go to shorty room. <laughs> well, I'm going to the party tonight. And they like, you know, their responsibilities are totally different. They yeah. home from their family. Or they going, after they leave their class, they going to pick up their daughter or son from daycare or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, you know, that's that's what that, that's that it would be like. You can't, don't, don't judge nobody because honestly, you wouldn't want that neither. And honestly, everybody has a story, has a success story. So, Funniest thing about those people though, this is what I learned too in that. They always got straight A's. Oh, you know what? Because they had more. They were dead serious. They were dead serious. Like every one of those people, and you're gonna see, I mean see it at every school, but definitely in HBCUs, because we kind of close knit. They always was the top of the class, man. And so that just tells you, you know, in hindsight, you look back like when you come in and have to go do that at a certain age, you focus, you do at a different level of focus, man. But yeah, look, this has been amazing, bro. For real, for real. Just getting a chance to build with you, just like having a regular conversation. <laughs> and this is what we want to we want to do, man. We want to create that type of comfortable atmosphere. So, and and I think we going we need to do another one of these because I, I want to go deeper into some other situations because it's just like, you know, it's so much things we can do. And um, talking about the kids, talking about the youth, talking about you know, um, just. Getting the the, the 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 narrative out, you know, to that to that generation. But in the meantime, let everybody know your website, you know, all your social media platforms, everything like that, so they can follow you and keep in contact with you. Now, I definitely want to say, even before I even get them like the information, this is probably like I've I've done some interviews on, on podcasts on platforms and Zoom interviews and things like that. But bro, this is this is probably like one of the dopest, right? Not one, probably the dopest. Honestly, because it's just you know, like you said, that 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 comfortable aspect. And again, I appreciate that. It's not even just because we family. This is just 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 two two creators, two brothers, two 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 people that's that's about creating change and just you know implementing growth. Just talking and again, honestly, it, it felt it they didn't feel like an interview. Yeah, and all that stuff, whatever. So this is amazing. I I, I, I love and appreciate you for you know for what you're doing, just giving that opportunity, but. Definitely Likewise. For your, for your core, for your viewers and your and your core fans and everything, you can definitely catch you know Passion Rebel on on IG at Passion Rebel P 
P-A-S-S-I-O-N-A-T-E-R-E-B-E-L. Passion is Rebel on, um, on IG. You can catch it. You can definitely check out the website, www.passionatedrebel.net. Um, we have two IGs, actually. Passionate Rebel Foundation as well. You can catch us on there. And, um, yeah, you could definitely definitely look us up and, you know, check us out on the site or IG. Follow us. Talk to us, you know. That's what's up. That's what's up. Make sure everybody, you know, when y'all see this, y'all see it all on the screen. So, you know, go ahead and click those links and go check out the social medias. Y'all know what we do here. Y'all can find me. I won't starve.com. I am Jay Halim on all the social media platforms, www.jhalim.com. Listen, stay connected to what we're doing, man. Starve Talk is not like everybody else. We want to hear the real stories. We want to hear people going through adversities because a lot of times we can tell you all the highlight reels, but what are the real steps to get to where we got to go? What did you have to do? Did you have to take a job? Did you fall on your ass and get picked back up? Who picked you up? Did you call them and say thank you when they did pick you up? You know, what are you doing to pick the next person up? What are you doing to prevent them from going through what you went through? We want to hear all of that because it's time out for us treating our people like to be successful. You're on the lottery. The success is there because it leaves clues. Success leaves clues. So let's leave the clues. Let's make let's shine some light on those clues so they can catch them, follow the breadcrumbs right to where the, where the bag is, right to where what their level of success is. If we do that, We'll change the narrative in no time. So we're going to do our small part here on Star Talk, of course. And for me and everybody else who've already been on here, we thank you, whoever been listening. Subscribe to our YouTube page, on Star Talk YouTube page. Subscribe to it. Um, click the notification button, bell, all that other stuff so you can see what we're doing. And we're going to be doing some amazing situations coming this summer. It's getting hot. So I'm excited about what's coming next, man. So for y'all who's been on, we'll see y'all next week. Thank you so much again. We see y'all on the other side of this thing. I'm in the studio with Jay Halleen. 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 You are now in the studio with Jay Halleen. Recording stopped.